Rockstar Energy Punch, bringing a bold and unapologetic flavor packed with energy through a blend of B vitamins, guarana extract, and 240 milligrams of caffeine to fuel what's next. Rockstar Energy Drink. And welcome back to Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, she's back on the show. And if this is the first time you're actually hearing her, maybe you missed the last episode. I had Jessica Brody on. You're in for a treat. She's a writer, a lion walker. Yes, I'm going to say it again. A lion walker. You don't believe me. Pictures, proof, jessicabrody.com. She's a mother, a wife, warrior of God, novelist, award-winning Christian journalist, a new fact I actually just found out about her. She's also the editor of the South Carolina United Methodist Advocate, the oldest newspaper in Methodism. Before we get started, Jessica, is there anything you don't do? You, you do quite a lot. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Life is just kind of a whirlwind. I just just take it as it comes and try to do the best I can. Well, you're doing fabulous, fabulous. <laughs> and your purpose, which is a, a great one to have, is to shine the light of Christ. That's what it's all about. And share beautiful, Amen. diverse, authentic stories of love, grace, faith, and redemption. And we were just talking about that off the air before we got started. At the end of the day, it's all about redemption, isn't it? It really is. I mean, everything boils down to that. And that's what we're going to get into in part when we talk about the the memory garden here in just a bit, which we teased the last time we had you on the show. And the last time I did have you, we talked about the first article I had seen from you. I loved it. And it was great premium content that you do for Salem. And people can check that out as they post at kprz.com slash articles. But your novel, The Memory Garden, won the 2018 Genesis Contest for Contemporary Fiction from American Christian Fiction Writers, which is actually the main portion of today's discussion. So let's just start with you, Jessica. The importance, what is the importance of fiction in the world of a Christian writer? What are your thoughts on this? I love fiction. Any genre is up for grabs. I mean, anything. I can read science fiction and mystery and suspense, and I wish I just wrote it all. Because for me, it's it's just being able to dig into a person's brain or just put myself in their situation. It's easier to imagine big picture issues when I have a real live person to, to really help me think. And I, I separate it from myself and I start thinking about the issue. And then I always turn that toward, well, what would I do in that situation? And it, it usually teaches me so much. So that's why I love fiction because to me, it's a way that you can make a big issue into something so relatable and real and authentic and just, just give it life and bring breath into it. And I, I know that Jesus taught so many important lessons through the parables. So to me, that's, that's what fiction is. It's a modern-day parable. It really is. And if you ever do take a crack at maybe uh, science fiction writing, let me know. I'm a huge sci-fi buff. Yay! Yeah, that's my secret fantasy is to be able to write that well, but I I don't know that I ever can. <laughs> hey, you never know. Never say never. You you walk lions now, so it's anything is possible. True. Well, let's before we get into the memory garden itself, get to another question. Which what is the hardest part for you as a writer creating a fictional world and trying to make it come across as real and as authentic? And to like a place we've already been to in our lives, a similar place, a similar situation. Hmm. Now, I think for me, I'm really, really busy. I'm doing a million things. 
And so I think getting my brain to the space where I can just relinquish control and just let go of everything else and allow myself to just get sucked into this other place. And it doesn't matter for how long uh, I happen, God happened to have gifted me with the ability to write really quickly. So if I can just jump into that, that other brain space, even for an hour and, and just crank out something really authentic and really good, then um, that, that can be the most challenging thing, but, but that permission to let yourself go and just, just kind of be free to, to let the Holy Spirit just work through you and, and do whatever it needs to do is it's hard and the most rewarding at the same time. Do you ever stop yourself as, because the memory garden is a very real life uh, scenario, which I think could happen to a lot of people. And we're going to get into that again here in just a moment. So do you ever find yourself in the writing process, maybe stopping and saying, hey, you know what, that doesn't really feel as real or relatable as it could and do, I mean, rewriting, I've written things in the past as well. It's, It's not easy to get it to come across as it is in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I do, but really for me, I happen, this is, this is going to sound really bizarre, and most people don't believe me when I tell this story, but I grew up painfully shy. I was that kid who my nose was always in a book, and I hid behind my mom, and I was, I would always just, I'd rather be, you know, in my own solitary fantasy world instead of interacting with other people. But then I was forced to move around a lot. I changed schools a lot. I moved all around. I moved to a different state at one point. And so I had to get over that shyness. And one of the things I did was I fell in love with theater. And in fact, that's what I planned to major in college. Instead of journalism, I planned to major in theater. And I mean, I really wanted to be a stage actress and I wanted to go to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Do all of that. <laughs> and so for me, when I write, I take the same approach that I, that I, that I took when I would act. I would feel, I put that, the cloak of the character on, and it's as though I become that character. So it's almost like you're matter. living the book as you're writing it. Yes, that's exactly it. And so that's why it's a challenge for me to get to that brain space when I'm writing is, how can I just turn off regular life for a while and just put that cloak of whatever that character is on? And it doesn't matter if it's a 10-year-old little boy or a 40-something-year-old woman. You know, whatever, whoever I'm writing about, I, see, I want to become them and look at the world through their eyes and really feel what they're feeling. So, so for me, when I'm writing a scene, that scene is actually happening right then. It is actually happening at that moment to me. And that's what I try to go for in all the scenes is just write it as though it's really, really just real life. Well, now I can't wait to dive into this myself because (laughs) when things really jump off the page, I'm a big comic reader as well. When you can translate something that feels like you're actually experiencing it it's it's quite amazing and so if you want to check out more about the memory garden as we discuss it go to jessicabrody.com going to learn so much about her there so let's kick it off with the memory garden which focuses on a new york city journalist i'm already hooked being the industry that i'm in and her name is rebecca and apparently she feels like a failure in many aspects of her life in all areas actually relationships career and even taking her own life which is tragic and i can't wait to find out why she actually got to that place 
But I think the bare bones of this story is very relatable. There's Rebecca. She's one of the biggest cities of America. That's where she's at. And she, I imagine, is getting all kinds of expectations and worldly temptations. And how did you begin writing this story? It was, was there a starting place for this particular character or the particular setting of the book? Yes, I I always start most of my stories. I'm intrigued by the what if factor. And so for me, I was playing around with what if you're a woman who seems to have everything together and you lose in the course of 24 or 48 hours everything that you think is so important to you and what would happen? What would you do? And then what if you didn't have faith? What if you did not have Jesus by your side and how would you react? What would life look like for you? And so that's what that, you know, everything, in fact, the book actually starts where she's waking up in the hospital. She didn't really mean to swallow all those pills, but maybe she did, you know, and she was, you know, she's, she's at this rock bottom place in her life and she's lost her fiance. She lost her job, everything. And the blink of an eye is gone and she has to start over completely. So she's not a believer at the beginning of the story. She's not. And, and in fact, she's really uncomfortable with the idea of faith. You know, she thinks that she has a lot of questions about the Bible and if, you know, if, if it's even true, if it was it just made up by these men who just, you know, invented some mythology to control the masses. And she's, you know, she's really, she dives into this. And then she, she realizes what I think is fascinating as a journalist. When you research things, you, you find out that it wasn't, you know, it's not mythology. It's all real. And it's not just backed up by the Bible. There are so many documents to support scripture and it's, validity. And so, you know, those are some things that she struggles with. But for her, it's just a matter of the heart. She's just turned off that place. She's really uncomfortable with, she has to go from the big city to this tiny little little town that she just is so upset about being there and feeling stuck. And everything about the town is, it's just the polar opposite of New York. It's this squeaky clean environment. And, so she and, liked the hustle and bustle and the excitement of New York. Yes. She, yeah, she's about Sunday brunch and, and just great dinners with her friends and living the high life. And now she's, she's just done this 180. And she keeps thinking, well, let me put in my time here and get back on track so I can climb the ladder again. But and then she meets Devon Robinson, who's this 10-year-old boy. And apparently, again, I don't know too much. I only know the brief cliff notes that I've experienced and, and read about online on your website as well. He ends up being her saving grace. Yes, yes. In fact, he is a tremendous person of faith. He has been raised by his mother, who we find out slowly um, she's passed away from cancer, and he's living with his, his grandmother named Mima. And Devin and Mima are a little unit, you know, but she can barely take care of him, and he's a 10-year-old kid, you know. So on the surface, he's floundering. They can barely take care of each other, but things are okay. But he's he's very 
anxious to keep everything secret, keep everything under wraps, make it look as though everything is just fine because he's terrified that someone will take him away and find out that things aren't so great and put him in foster care. And I bet you there's ways in which Rebecca ends up helping him out as well. It seems to kind of be maybe like a symbiotic relationship that they end up developing. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, he ends up starting because you know, he knows that he's he's in a poverty situation and he knows that kids in his neighborhood, they don't have a lot to eat and they don't have anything to do in the summer. And they're too old for the, the daycares and things like that. And so he ends up getting together with his church and starting a a kids camp in the summer. And that's how Rebecca meets him is, is she finds out about this little kid who helped start a summer camp and does a story on him. And then when she finds out that he's one of the backpack kids, and by backpack kids, I mean kids who get the, you've heard of churches doing backpack ministries. That's where they send home food, like the pop tops or, or canned food, yeah, yeah. things like that, backpacks on the weekends for kids who just don't have enough to eat. And so she finds out that he's one of the backpack kids. And she starts thinking, what is going on beneath the surface that I'm not seeing? And so she, they start a, a, a slow friendship, and it surprises both of them. They become, they're actually kindred spirits. That is so awesome. She's able to, it seems like, make him a little bit more secure with his problems, and he also, in turn, is giving her more faith in a God that she never knew. Exactly. exactly. Oh, I absolutely, I, I love this. I can't wait to get my hands on it, which I know there's a publisher <laughs> that you've been searching for for the three books because there's three books. Tangled Roots is book two. Now, are the worlds the same? Is there a connective tissue from book one to book two to the one you're working on now in the final stages, book three? Yes, yes. Memory Garden is the first book in in the Dahlia series. And so this is a fictional town that I made up. I, I actually got the idea. I'm, I'm a journalist in South Carolina. And part of my job, I get, I'm so blessed to be able to get to do this, but I get to drive around the state and talk to churches and ministries and just individuals, people of faith who are just doing neat things for God in their communities. And sometimes these are really big cities. And sometimes these are tiny, tiny little towns or formal mill towns or just, you know, places that you would never expect to find yourself in. And so at some point, they all became this beautiful blur of rural rolling hills and trees and rivers and swamps and all of this. And this idea of this town called Dahlia just came into my mind. And it's it's just a, a place of grateful Southern hospitality and picket fences and wholesome, wholesome Christian living. But it's also things behind the scenes you know there's there's poverty and there's drugs and there's you know there's there are other things on the surface that that touch this just like evil is always at work in life a little bit but the good conquers the evil these tendrils are always at work and so it just kind of explores the place is almost like a character really and so the memory garden is the first book and then the second book takes a character from the memory garden who it's not Rebecca but it's Rebecca's reporter, Tiff, 
And it discusses her theories, like her issue with her brother. She came from a dysfunctional childhood and her brother was just released from prison for a hate crime. And she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, but now he has to come live with her. And so what does that look like? You know, she's a person of faith. He's suddenly become a Christian in prison and she hasn't told anyone in Dahlia about this secret childhood. So, you know, it starts, it looks at those issues, but it's still in the same place. And Rebecca and Devin from the first book still feature in the second book, and then they feature in the third book as well. And so it's a, it's a whole universe of... So it's almost like some of these network shows that I watch, these fictional network <laughs> shows on, on various stations, where the characters are the same, the place is the same, but you have episodes, or in this case, you have books where the, where the main character, the main story is centered around somebody completely different that you already knew from book, in this case, book one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you come to really know and love Tiff, but she's a minor character in the first book. And then in the second book, she's the star. So, so yeah, it's, it's, so much fun. Oh, I, I bet. And I just imagine traveling from these small towns of your state and going to the bigger towns and the cities, you probably get some great inspiration for settings and character traits from the people that you meet. Oh, yes. In fact, you have no idea. I get the best ideas while driving. I will go on any road trip, hands down, just give me a road trip and I will take it. Because usually what happens is I'm driving somewhere and then God just pours this really great idea and I just have to pull over. And usually I just I pull out my iPhone and I voice text into my notes all the things. It's, it's like a brain dump of all the, the story ideas I have, or I write them on this tiny little notepad. And it's ridiculous to put it together later, but yeah, they all become books. <laughs> You know, I used to write uh, screenplays long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I have to tell you, I did the same thing. And to put piece it together, what did I write here? Can I read this? Let me turn it upside down. I'm not quite sure. As you're on the go, I mean, it's quite an adventure. Yes. Well, I absolutely love it. Now, are you still searching for a publisher for the series? Because you can't uh, read these yet, correct? Yes, you can't read them yet. Um, I'm I'm at the very end of book three in the series, which is called Hidden Seeds. It's set in the same town, and my agent is uh, is looking for a publisher now. He's he's shopped the first one and then the second one, and we're waiting. Now that we have three, we can put them together as a package, and hopefully that will that will help. Okay, I was just going to ask, are you going to release them individually or as a set? And knowing what I know now, I hope as a set, because I'm going to want to breeze through them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my favorite way to read, too. (laughs) Any particular, is there like a particular time you're hoping to have them released? I'm just curious. I would love to have something solid secured by the end of the year and uh, looking into 2023. That would be awesome. Maybe right around Christmas time would make a great gift for people, too. Yep. (laughs) And so what's the new one called again? Because you have the Memory Garden is book one. Tangled Roots is number two. And what's number three? Yes. And book three is Hidden Seeds. Love it. Go to (laughs) jessicabrody.com. Find out about this series, which I know you're absolutely going to love. At the end of the day, it's all about redemption. It's about that symbiotic relationship. And now I want to turn in the last portion of our interview towards something I was going down the list of articles that you had written for 
premium content for Salem, and a, a lot of them I can't wait to dive into. This one caught me just right away. Tell us about God lessons from my dog, because apparently I have something to learn from my Chihuahua, Pete, and I don't even know it yet, Jessica. Well, I have always been a cat person. I love dogs, but I've never had a dog. And last year, my husband and I adopted a German Shepherd. Nice. And (laughs) we have three cats, by the way. And he's allergic to cats, and I'm allergic to dogs. But I just, I felt like we needed to just balance the scales a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So we adopted this dog, and I thought, okay, great, we got a dog, that's fine. And everyone kept saying, oh, they're like toddlers, or they're like babies, ha ha. I didn't believe them for a second. I really thought that everybody was exaggerating. I thought that they meant that it was because they were cute. And then I had a puppy of my own, and I went through all of this, <laughs> and I've learned so much. But I, I also learned how many similarities there are between me and my dog and me and the Lord and how these things often point to important truths that I had never really thought about. That's awesome. And I just want to kind of wet people's whistles because I have the article in front of me, not going to dive into it right now. I briefly went across the the bullet points and this is fascinating. I cannot wait to read this actually while sitting next to my Chihuahua Pete and finding (laughs) out all about why that we can learn so much from dogs. We really can. Well, that's awesome. Now, what I want to close with, and we are going to have Jessica back. That's why I actually brought that up. That's going to be the main focus, actually, of the next chat we have here on Across the County with Jessica Brody, my guest, writer, author, The Memory Garden. I want you to check out more about it before it's released. It's not released yet, but there's so much you can view at jessicabrody.com is something that she has a big heart for, and that's shining the light. And it's so amazing. People can go to jessicabrody.com slash shining the light. And this is your blog, and this is where you talk about everything from mental health, which Jessica, I don't know if I mentioned last time, I'm a huge advocate of, personal growth, Mm -hmm. marriage, and family perspective. Your heart is so much on this blog. Tell us about it. Yeah, I, you know, it really is. It's just, it's my heart. It's my heart every single week of what's going on and, and what are the issues. And so this week I'm, I'm writing about, you know, is our love as Christians shining stronger than our judgment or, you know, do we have something to be thinking about? Uh, last week I, I talked about, you know, almost an empty nest experience of, you know, I have a 16-year-old who's now driving both of my kids to school. and what uh, You and I were talking. I know what this is all about. Yes. <laughs> and so how do we trust? You know, how do we relinquish control over something that's, that's not really ours to begin with? I mean, we always say our kids are our kids, but they're really God's kids. You know, so things like that. Um, and so other times I'll have authors on as guests. But most of the time, it's just a look at what's going on in the world and, and how can we really walk through that and, and become better disciples in, a, a, in an authentic and, and vulnerable way that is real and knowing that we all make mistakes. But at the end of the day, we just need to keep trying and keep our focus on Jesus and just, just stay on track with that. We've got to stay on track. We've got to keep Jesus as the center, as the focus. Keep that top center as one of my Christian mentors used to love to say, still does. Now, mental health is something that I think, Jessica, it's getting a lot more attention now, especially after everything that we've been through over the last couple of years. 
There's still a ways to go, but I'd like to just kind of end in the last couple of minutes here with this segment on Across the County and talk about why it's so important. You know, we take care of our physical health. We either exercise or go to the gym, and you hear that on a regular basis, and that's pushed everywhere. Mental health and emotional health kind of is has been. It's getting a lot more traction on the back burner. But I think when people realize that they need to, man or woman, no matter what your age is, keep this in check, you'll realize when you do do this, you feel and you think so much clearer and so much better because there's people like you out in the world that have experienced similar or the same thing that you've gone through and not feeling so alone is so huge. Oh, it's so important. It's so important. And as Christians, sometimes we we will belittle ourselves and say, oh, well, if we're depressed, it just means that we're not praying hard enough or there's something wrong with our faith. But it's not that. You know, people suffer from things. And even in the Bible, we see people have depression, people have anxiety. There are stories of people and and they live with that, and they, they walk with God through that. And we still experience that today. I, I have a daughter with mental illness. I have other family members with mental illness. And it's invisible sometimes, and, and we tend to diminish things that are, are invisible. We tend to just think, well, you know, it's, it's not – we they don't have this official diagnosis or there isn't a cast that we can see on their arm or there isn't a chemotherapy port or something like that. So it's not as important as everything else, but it is. Yeah, it's very important. And those are the exponential kind of things where if you let them go, and I was lucky and blessed enough to have my kids and I was able to go through that with them, go through therapy sessions when the family became a broken family. And it is invaluable how much good it is to have somebody to talk with on a either daily or biweekly or weekly basis to be able to just bounce some ideas and feelings off of that aren't necessarily those that you see on a daily basis. Yes. Oh, I cannot say enough about therapy. We, we go to, my daughter has a therapist we see once a week and she is amazing. So yes, 100%. Well, if you guys want to find out more about her blog and about the importance of mental health, and again, it's not just about that. There's stuff that'll help you grow personally, especially with your relationship with Christ. And from a family perspective, check it out, Shining the Light. That's at her website, jessicabrody.com slash Shining the Light. And while you're there, you can check out about her book and series, the Dahlia series, kicking it off with the Memory Garden, which we will keep you posted here on Across the County when it comes out, because I want to read it. I know you all want to read it. JessicaBrody.com. Again, she's a novelist and an award-winning Christian journalist, and we love having her right here on the show. Jessica, thanks for breaking down the Memory Garden today, and I can't wait to have you back talk about God lessons from my dog, and then also get an update if we're any closer to the release of the Memory Garden. Yes, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Noah here and across the county. Check her out. She's Jessica Brody, jessicabrody.com. When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, 
Long time no see. No can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work.